So then when I got home, he was like very upset. And I was like, I could tell something was going on. And I was like, what's, what's up? And then I was kind of like, he was like, where were you? And I was like, oh, blah, 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 lies, lies, lies. And he was like, that's bullshit. I know you were at the Carl's Jr. And I was like, oh, no. And he was like, I. You got caught in a fucking Carl's Jr. Like you hooked up with a pilot, a rugby yeah. team, but you got caught at Carl's Jr. That's my wife, you asshole. This relationship is doomed. Hey y'all, it's Lace. It's Catherine, and this is an episode of Chidi's Podcast, and we've got a special vintage retro episode coming at ya. That's right. So we needed a little time to catch up um, in our lives and kind of get ahead of the game, get some interviews in, and you know what? Our producers decided it would be a good idea, uh, since we've gotten a lot of new listeners lately, to bring up some old episodes and revamp them a little bit and give them a new intro and, you know, let the people meet some of our favorite uh, guests that we've had in the last two and a half years. Because, Catherine, it's now been almost two and a half years since we've been doing this. Yeah. So that's a lot of guests. We're season six. I think we're in season six. So we're taking this episode back to season two, one of our favorite episodes. It was episode 68 with Emma Arnold to have and to cuck hold. And we picked this episode because it's one of our few episodes where it's the cheater coming to tell their side of the story. Um, It's a super compelling story. Uh, This is the first time that she'd ever publicly told this story as well um we find it a little timely as well she talks about uh one of her original albums that came out abortion 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 i don't know if you've read the news lately uh but big topic these days (laughs) yeah a little bit a little bit yeah and she and also she talks about having a sex addiction which is also not something we've had anybody discuss and it, it really it's one of those episodes that shows you that life is not black and white life is very gray and there mm-hmm. um i don't know it was it was cathartic for her to tell her story it was cathartic for us to listen to it because i think at that point we had had a very strict you know vision and feeling towards cheaters and i don't know this kind of uh it kind of opened up my mind a little and um I don't know. It was, it was, it was great. And she's a great friend of ours and we love her and she's an incredible comic and an incredible mother. She's got three boys and, uh, she's been through a lot. You'll get to hear everything she's been through. And she is now currently happily married and back touring again. She's back to comedy. So we're so happy to hear that. We just mentioned one of her albums um, and we're happy for you to listen to her episode. And then once you do, if you love Emma as much as we love Emma, go check out her other four albums uh, that she has. Obviously, we mentioned one, Abortion, Abortion, Abortion. She's got one that came out in 2020 called Well. She's got one called Shut Up, Calvin. That was her very first um, album that she put out. Y'all, go check her her out she's incredible you're gonna love this episode and before we get to this episode we couldn't do it without our favorite summer sponsor who is it Catherine? we got good wipes here with us and i i'm gonna admit something 
I absolutely love this product. I genuinely do use this product Same. every time I wipe. I do. I, we've said it before, Same. but my routine is one PP wipe, one G-Dub wipe, yep. one Good Wipes wipe. Um, once you start using these, you can't go back. It just makes no. you feel fresh and clean. It, listen, if you're somebody who can't take the jump on bidets, I can't do it yet. This is an in-between step. Um, oh, if there's just something about it, it. It does something beyond just wiping with TP. It leaves you a little feeling a little bit more fresh, mm. a little bit more clean. And it's one of those things like you don't know you need it till you experience it. Yep. You won't go back. So go to Target right now. Get yourself some good wipes. Uh, go to our Instagram page. We just made a, a, a little collab <laughs> reel with them. <laughs> they didn't want to repost it. Don't know why. Do I not understand that. I don't understand. Um, I don't understand yeah. why. <laughs> but boy, did we have fun and almost got kicked out of Target making it. Here's what's my favorite part. Somebody said that. Somebody was like, oh my God, y'all filmed this Target. How did they let you? And I said, they the, the guys that were working there that happened to be near us while we're doing our whole thing literally could not have cared less. They treated us like we were the 37th person that morning to come in and do an Instagram reel in their mm-hmm. aisle. They just kept right. on stacking, kept putting, they were like, like I we don't, don't, I don't make enough. Yeah. They're like, I don't we care. do not make enough money to care what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. So I'm going to clock out. I'm going to collect my $42 from exactly. my nine hour shift. <laughs> exactly. and I'm going to go home and never think about it again. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah, we had fun. Y'all gotta go watch that if you haven't watched we, it. We were cracking up on ourselves. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, check out check out Good Wipes at Target. Go watch our reel while you're waiting to check out and uh, enjoy this episode, a retro episode, a throwback episode with Emma Arnold. Hey, listener, you're about to hear a really juicy cheating story. Names and locations may have been changed to protect the guilty. We're not licensed therapists or lawyers. Hell, we barely have a driver's license. We're just two broke comedians who've been through some shit. And this alleged story is one-sided. If you know another side, please call our emergency redemption hotline at 888-STABBY-8. And yes, that is a real number. Now sit back, relax, and pour yourself a bowl of cheaties. so you can go home and enjoy the rest of your summer. Okay. Okay, so, so we don't know anything about the story. This is why I always tell people as we start out, we take us to the very beginning and take us to who Emma was at that point, where her mind's at, what she's doing, what she's into, set the scene. Well, yeah. I, okay, so I've never told any element of this story, not on stage, <gasps> oh. like to my therapist, to my partner, to a, like a handful of maybe two or three friends, uh, but I've never oh. talked publicly uh, about it before. Wow. So we have got the special, like literally special top secret edition yeah. of this. Yeah. Oh my God. This is crazy. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So I'm actually going to start at the end. Uh, oh, okay. Actually, at first I want to just say like this little, this isn't a disclaimer because I don't ever start stories with that, but I just want to say I, when I was kind of, thinking about like what story to do like I've been cheated on a bunch uh, I was cheated on by like older boyfriends like back you know in high school and like right after high school I was cheated on a bunch in my marriage to the point where I finally was like should we just do an open marriage and right. he still was able to just continue cheating on me with that did you know you can do that it takes some talent but uh oh my god the fact <laughs> wow. that this isn't even your story this is not even my story oh 
partly because, so uh, I am a sex addict and uh, like I've been in treatment, I go to the meetings, I get, I just got my three-year chip uh, a month, a couple months ago. Congrats. Congrats. Thank you so much. And so I felt like uh, as, as big as many people, cheating has always been an issue for me because sexual compulsion has always been an issue for me. So I felt like as many times as I have cheated, I felt like it would just be really bullshit of me to go on a cheating podcast and be like, this boy hurt my feelings because <laughs> come on, come on. You know, like, like I yeah. could do that for sure. I could come on and be like, well, in 2012, he slept with my best friend and, and like, yeah, yeah, sure that happened. But plenty of times I've been on the other side. I will say Having been on both sides, uh, unfortunately, quite a bit, uh, they suck equally, in my opinion. I think both sides are very painful. It sucks to be lied to. It sucks to be lying. Like both yeah, are yeah. emotionally exhausting and painful. Agreed. It sucks yeah. to be, you know, it sucks to lose trust and it sucks to take away trust. Like all, like yeah. I am of the opinion, like I think a lot of times in our society, we uh, really we hate the cheater like very specifically without looking at like the circumstance around possibly that person's reasons for cheating or without like for me uh, when i've been cheated on the what usually the emotion i feel is curiosity of like oh what happened there you know like i yeah. the person i'm with now with the person i dated before him cheated on me and i kind of just was like oh a taste of my own medicine you know like yeah. i kind of was like yeah, yeah. I, oh interesting like I think you can take it really personally, or you can see that usually with other people and their bullshit, it's theirs, you know? So I'm just saying that kind of because I, I feel like I could have done either story, but I wanted to tell this story partly because I've never gotten to tell it. And I, part of the reason I never told it was because, so the person I cheated on was a long-term partner and uh, we're going to call him uh, Doug. Okay. Let's just call him Doug. Yeah, and right. he, um, after the cheating happened, we'd been broken up for a long time. Whenever this the conversation would come up, he would always be like, you know, I could tell people what you did. I could ruin you. I wow. could tell people how terrible you acted. And I was always kind of like, yeah, man, do your thing. Like if you, you got to feel like you got to like be public about it. Like I was always kind of like, I'm after this situation, after, um, I got sober again and I've been sober for three years. I've been like, I'm never going to live with any secrets again. Like yeah. I'm never everything about me. Like what you see is what you get and you get like the full story. And for, I think, unfortunately for a lot of people, they're like too much, but uh, I, well, I, so Emma, can we, can we jump in for a second? Cause yeah. I'm curious. So for the listeners is Doug, was that someone you were married to or is that just, that was an unmarried we partner? Lived together. We lived together. We live together. Okay. All and right. um, so you'd mentioned being married. So for the listener, yeah, I want to no, make sure yeah, who, yeah. Which was and its own they, mess. Yeah. And were they aware of your sex addiction? Yes, they were. In fact, they were the reason I left my husband in a big way. Oh, um, wow. I mean, that's not fair. It was a disaster of a marriage and I left for a lot of reasons. And, sure. uh, but this person also, just to say, I, again, I don't want to, I don't, it's been hard for me to tell this story because I, no part of me is like trying to be the victim in it or even really cares about the right and wrong of it. Like it just to me is kind of like, here's the facts. But the reality is, is he has a type and that type is married women. And I was mm. not the first wife he took away and then dated. And, you Ooh. know, he was a wife stealer basically. So wow. that was kind of his gig. He liked to date yeah. wives. It, um, it sounds like, 
like, I mean, there's two sides of every story, but the way that he's saying, like, I could ruin you, it sounds like he does kind of enjoy the mind game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, almost like it's a conquest. He's a power and control guy, for sure. And um, I think for me, a lot of the cheating that happened in the relationship was my way of sort of establishing my own sense of control over my own life. Um, So... Yeah. And um, so I didn't talk about it for a long time I because even though he would be like, I'll ruin you, I was like, you're humiliated by this story. You know, right. this story humiliates you. And he even said, you you made me into a cuckold, which he had done repeatedly to other men, but had never <laughs> dealt with wow. himself. And he kept being like, you put, you put me in a situation where I was a cuckold. And I was like, well, I don't, I felt like at the time, for many years, I felt like I had done enough wrong and that being public about this story would like would like, you know, a big thing in the 12 steps is like, you do no more harm. And so part of my amends to him was that I, we, I did a bunch of stuff professionally with him for a few years. And then also I was like, well, do no more harm. I'm not ever going to tell this story. So a uh, couple that's, and that's been true for, for, we've been broken up four years. Um, I think, no, I guess three years, uh, a little over three years. So I've, I haven't told anybody this basically. Mm-hmm. Um, until recently, a couple months ago, I got an email from his current girlfriend. And I, I can I read it to you? Because here's please. the thing. Oh, my it God. Sets, yes, please. It sets the stage for me very nicely for this story. Because um, I haven't talked to him in almost a year. We have no contact at all. Uh, she and I are, we do not know each other. We met once during a festival very, very quickly. She emails me very out of the blue. And she says, I came across a video from Treefort of you doing a comedy bit about your abortion. Blank's baby, right? The one you aborted because you were fucking around behind Doug's back? You contrived a joke from the culmination of a devastating sequence of events. Your irreverence to how your performance could trigger Dee's heartbreak for your personal gain is pathetic. It's not edgy. It's not cool. It is fundamentally not art. I take the time to say this to you because I believe a person should be called out when they are being a dick signed her name so so to unpack that just really quick like at first when I read it I was like hot like and like mad and upset and then all of a sudden I felt this like incredible like like being a bird in an egg just like the shell cracking around me and I felt completely released and free from this shame that I had held around like for all these years I've been carrying around this shame for cheating all these years and I finally sort of realized something. And part of that was because I've been very sick for about a year. I've been hospitalized. I've had a couple of near-death experiences. And something that has happened because of that is I had this realization of like, good or bad, after you're dead, nobody knows your story. Like, if you don't tell it, it's gone. And I kind of realized like, oh, if I don't tell, tell this side of the story, even if it's villainizing or even if people hear it and go like, you're a piece of shit. Also, I, uh, that joke she's talking about, um, I had run that joke by my ex before I did it. We were at a festival. I said, this is this joke I'm going to do. It's very, I, I, it's a very painful joke, but I want to do it because I feel like it's so important to be public and open about the fact that I had an abortion. I was like, I won't mention the circumstances because you've asked me not to, because it's humiliating for you. But I would, I want to do this joke about an abortion because of where we are at. Like I named my third album, abortion, 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 because I was like, we need to fight for this, you know? And because, so, um, I had been, I had lost my sobriety. I started drinking again and my, was acting out in my sexual addiction. And I, that happened to me. I, 
just really quick, I got uh, assaulted by a male comedian, really bad, sexually assaulted. And I went crazy, dipped back into my addictions, was cheating and drinking on the road, got pregnant from someone and realized like I wanted more kids, I, which is crazy. I know I have three and that's more than enough, but yeah. I love kids and I love babies. But you but love I also, kids and you're a great mom and you yeah. love being yeah. pregnant. I mean, you and I've talked about this a million times. Like, yeah. You, I, and I would, I would, if my body would let me, I would have had three more kids. I love having kids, but I also knew I was like mentally the getting pregnant all of a sudden clicked back this like sober brain. And it made me go like, bitch, you are crazy. You're off the rails. You know, like I was, we'll get into what I was doing, but I knew like that abortion, I, I went in, I got an abortion and I got it secretly. So I was still with Doug and I scheduled it, went in, got it. And came home and made dinner for everybody. Oh went, God, you went in by yourself. And well, I the person who got me pregnant did go in with me. Uh, I did. He's he's not a huge part of this story, other than uh, he's not a terrible person. We're still friends. We sure. he his dad was dying. We were in a messy place together. Sure. Um, it was a very emotional decision for both of us, and it was really really difficult. That said, he has gotten, uh, afterward, I found out several women pregnant, which I think means you're a bad dude. So wow. if you're not, okay. mean, if you know, if you're not taking care of your fertility to the point where you're making women uh, get multiple abortions. Say, this is a great time to discuss one of my favorite um, reproductive uh, discussions, which is 100% of pregnancies could be avoided if the man didn't, Yeah, you know. Yeah. 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 If he if he took care of what he was supposed to take care of, that prevents a hundred percent. That is what I have told my sons. I have been like, you are hundred percent on the podcast. But I guess <laughs> I just yeah. if he would control his yeah. cum, then we're a hundred percent, you know, safe from having babies. Yeah. So and, and yeah. it was my first accident. You know, all sure. three of my kids were planned partly because I was really mentally out of it and not taking good care of myself and drinking and stuff. So, so anyway, so that abortion she's referencing, uh, the joke I made about it was, it's funny to me that she's like, it's fundamentally not art. And I'm like, oh, it fundamentally is. Yeah. And it, and it yeah. honestly made me more mad because human I was- experience. I'm sorry, but any human experience is up for being made into jokes. I mean, that's what stand up is. Yeah. It comes from your pain and your innermost yeah. like thoughts. And also imagine if somebody in the crowd was, you know, had that uh, similar experience and they're like, oh, I can relate to that. I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Relatability is the core of, of good stand up comedy. And I'm sorry, but more people than people realize have been through that. And, and I, I want, I would have like afterward, I was more mad at myself for not just because, you know, the way I frame the joke is, is not the real circumstance around the abortion. I, I turned it into like a story that had happened a long time ago when in reality it was a very fresh wound. And um, so I was more just mad that I hadn't been honest about what actually happened and why I got the abortion to begin with. So that just to give you kind of a, so something about that was really freeing. And so I texted him, Doug, I texted him a screenshot of that email and was just like, Hey, what the fuck is this? Like we've been broken up for three and a half years. And he was like, well, I guess she's just trying to, you know, defend me because you broke my heart. And I was like, are we still doing this? You're still yeah. doing this? Like you're still trying to make me ashamed? And something I have learned in treatment and something I have like, like one of the biggest gifts I think outpatient treatment gave me was one of the counselors there said, be really careful of anybody who wants you to feel ashamed. 
because that person never has good intentions. Like your shame is your own to feel or not. Nobody gets to put shame on you and be like, you should be feeling this. You should be feeling bad. Also, um, you know, that was the same around the same time, right after the abortion, I was, uh, I almost killed myself because it was such, I, it wrecked me. And I'm like, you want me to feel more shame? Like you have finally clawed myself back to, you know, to a place of like loving myself and being okay and not being suicidal. And you want to like dig that like shoehorn back in there and try to get the shame back in there. Cause I'm fine. As as if you haven't beaten yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of made me go like, all of a sudden I felt free and I felt like good for you cheating on him. (laughs) Like for the first time I was kind of like, good. You gave yourself an out. Yeah. Like, yeah, whatever it took, you got yourself away from this person who fundamentally wants you to feel really bad. But we had what I now call a consensually abusive relationship, Mm -hmm. which is uh, we had a domestic discipline situation, which is people who know me are like, what? (laughs) What what is that? Yeah. Explain. Break this down. BDSM community. Uh, which I had been active in for a lot of years and I think can be done. People do it in ways that are respectful and loving and fun and kinky and sexy. That's not what we were doing, to be clear. Um, Literally, I would be physically punished for transgressions. Like that was something we came up with together. So like I said, consensually, but looking back on it, for me, the entire relationship was a recreation of childhood abuse and trauma. And in fact, when I was in treatment um, and I was describing our relationship, I mean, jaws were on the floor and everybody was like, well, thank God you were cheating on him. You know, like it was kind of a consensus, like whatever it took, you know, and I'm not... I'm not calling him an, I think it's funny because I think part of the reason he's always been like, don't tell this story is he's so afraid that I will call him an abuser. And I'm not doing that. I am saying uh, that the relationship that we had then was a product for me of childhood abuse, marital abuse that I had just escaped and thinking that this, that with structure, this abuse was like helpful and like was helping me reach goals and like, but instead it was him really shaping me and controlling me and physically harming me. And for some people that, you know, 50 shades of gray style, like for some people, they're like the idea of that seems like it's going to be very sexy, but the reality is it is patriarchal bullshit. And that's what I was living with. And so, um, was it ever, was it always him punishing you? Was it ever reversed? Yeah. And once I started cheating, I kind of started uh, coming into my own and being like, yeah, no, if you're going to do this shit to me, I want to do it back. I want to be able to do it too. You're not a perfect person. You're an asshole. And I want to do it back. And he was like, absolutely not. No, that will never happen. And, um, he was like, I don't enjoy it, you know? And that was his thing. And I finally was like, this isn't feminist. Like it's goes against everything. If a friend was telling me this, I would be appalled and sickened and upset and worried. And, I'm like allowing, I, you know, part, cheating for me part, was partly like these other people treating me with gentleness and yeah. respect and then being coming home and being treated with like a child, like an errant child, you know, and um, we never had an adult relationship. We had basically like a child father relationship. Parent, yeah. yeah, parent relationship. So, uh, so do you want to, I mean, do you want to describe any of that or talk about any of that or really honestly, like the okay. physical stuff, I would just say like, uh, I'm shocked now, like 
Yeah. I've always had, you know, because of my childhood, I've always had a really high pain tolerance. And literally, though, a lot of times he was recreating things that had exactly happened to me as a child, like mm. cold showers as punishments, that sort of mm. thing. Like, oh like it, it is really shocking to me that I put up with this. And it's funny because my current partner, who is the gentlest, kindest person in the world, um, when we first started dating, and I mean, like, I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't talk to my therapist about this stuff. I was just kind of like, oh, we have a really healthy relationship. Everything is fine. I don't want to talk about it, you know? And when I started, like, talking to him and telling him details, he was just like, oh, oh, oh. Like, he yeah. would, like, his reaction would yeah. sometimes make me go like, ah, that is really disturbing. That is That's how you know it's terrifying. fucked up is yeah. when you tell yeah. other people and you see their reactions. I know that from being in an abusive relationship, yeah. like. Past. My mom. Yeah. It made you feel validated that like your your hurt and your pain. Yeah, and my there parents, was a reason for it. It's funny because my parents. Um, well, I, I guess maybe that's later in the story. But like my mom, also she calls him that miserable little prick, which I just really appreciate <laughs> because my parents like they know the whole story, yeah. beginning to end. They know about the abortion. They know about the cheating. They know every detail of wow, it. Wow. It's so healthy that my you're able super dope. My parents are like old hippies and um the childhood abuse I faced was with my biological father, not my mom and my stepdad who are amazing amazing people and well, didn't I know wanna, that was going on. So. And I want to step in and go and I know your mom's a badass because when you and I marched in the women's march in Boise, oh, Idaho, at the Capitol, while it was snowing, we marched in the snow with your yeah. mother. Yeah, so special. Yeah, January 2017, we all marched together. I was in Boise doing shows. I know. Oh, that's so special. That was such a special moment because it was my aunts and my sisters and you. Oh, and also just like imagine being in a crowd. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, jump back in. I just, I, uh, you got me crying already. (laughs) Um, so, so I'm just, I'm just going to give you some quick like examples of the cheating and then go to the aftermath. Cause I think the sure. aftermath is pretty wild too. So, yeah. so I, I got sexually assaulted and I had before that I had three years of sobriety and I was like really strong in my program. And then I got sexually assaulted and I kind of, I, so I have a dissociative identity disorder uh, and I have dissociative uh, states sometimes where I have that feeling of like my body is moving and I'm doing a thing, but I'm in my head. I'm like, why are you doing a thing? So okay. or sometimes, is that how you would describe it? Sometimes. Like, is, um, is that what it, it is? It's like your body's operating, but your mind isn't really connected with it. I no. I mean, okay. I, I've been reluctant to like combine this part of the story with the DID stuff because I feel like with dissociative identity disorder, a lot of times people, you know, from movies, you know, it's multiple personality disorder. So people from movies and stuff have this idea of like serial killer shit or that you like black out and another person comes out. And like, sometimes that can be true, but sometimes you can have like a mix of like, you, you feel like fuzzy and confused about what happened or, you know, like I, I think for me, what would usually happen is like, I would still have an awareness of what was going on, but I wouldn't understand why I would do certain things. Like I would be shocked with myself. Like these things usually happened on the road and later I would be shocked with myself and be like, who was that? You know, Mm -hmm. but now, now looking back. And so now um, I've done a ton, a ton of therapy and um, I'm like what's called integrated now. So like I have a more cohesive self 
instead of like these parts. And now sort of what I understand was like these parts were really being very protective of me, like were sort of empowering me on the road and like helping me like sort of like be an adult um, and putting me in adult situations. Also, um, you know, because I've been a sex addict, that's always how I self-soothed as a child. And because I was sexually abused as a kid, that's always been my go-to. Like, I'm scared, sex. I'm worried, sex. I'm hungry, sex. You know, it's like how I've always handled every emotion. So it's not a surprise that um, sex and alcohol just that those parts would reach for those tools. And I would sometimes not like, I definitely have situations where I don't remember it. Like sometimes somebody will be, uh, like talking to me and then I'll be like, wait, did we have sex? And they're like, we did. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Okay. So, um, I can say, you know, I was watching a serial killer thing the other day and they were talking about how the person had DID. And I was like, you know, it is nice to know that I have this like very serious mental illness. And the worst thing I've ever done was have sex with people yeah. who want to have sex with me, you know, right. and not murdered anybody and chopped. Yeah. Never ran, sex. Never never bad sex. Sex. You yeah. know, yeah. you're just doing what everybody's doing. Yeah. Sex with people, mostly yeah. hot. So, yeah. um, <laughs> um, so I, I started, I, the first person, um, and I'm not going to give like a running, a running thing because like, honestly, there is a lot there. And, Sometimes, so if you were with a sex addict and uh, you find out that they've they've been acting out, a lot of times people will do a. If you're going to stay together, you do a full disclosure, which is where you sit down and it's brutal. I have friends in the program who've done it. You sit down and you list every time you've ever cheated and every time like you've acted out. And you know, some people I've had friends who they've had to do it for like 20 years worth of acting out. And so at first. So, okay, basically, uh, I'm just going to give you a couple of examples here. I made some notes. So there were hot times, okay? There were times that I cheated and it was very hot. There was one time in New York. I was at the Museum of Sex. I met a rugby team. That's a time. (laughs) That's a time. Uh, They were the British Army rugby team. We had a lovely time. I bet you uh, had a really good time. And uh, there was another time. I was in St. Louis and a Southwest airline. I was late for my flight. I had slept in. Uh, no, I was flying to St. Louis. I was flying from Minneapolis and I had slept in. I was about to miss my flight. I was standing in, uh, you know, the security line crying. Cause I was like, fuck, 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 fuck. And this pilot, this dark silky voice behind me goes, looks like trouble over here. And I turn around this gorgeous pilot standing there. And he's like, and I'm like, oh, I'm about to miss my flight. And he goes, where are you headed? And I said, St. Louis. And he goes, not going to miss that flight held the plane for me. Held the plane for oh, me. Lord. That was a fun one. Very handsome <laughs> man. Yeah. Uh, there was. Wait, the, did y'all have sex on the plane or yeah, uh, it's in St. Louis? Space. <laughs> oh, what? What was that? Small in space a, planes. You know. Oh. Okay. It was a small space. So oh, that when? was after. So in a yeah. hotel after. Okay. We met up occasionally after that. Okay. You know, okay. he was a lot okay. of fun. We okay. still talk a little bit, but no more sex. He's he's with somebody now. He's a nice man. Uh, he's also uh, an astronaut. So uh, what? He was in wow. the Air Force for a number of years. He also works in the Air Force still. So anyway, wow. uh, very handsome man. Um, mm-hmm. There was uh, okay. There was a there were there was the twenty six year old filmmaker that Lace met. Beautiful blue eyes. Just a, just a real charmer. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of fun. Um, and then let's get into some of the shameful ones, the ones that afterward I'd be like, what happened? Why do I do this to myself? And yeah. sometimes I would, the thing would happen and I would feel kind of like I'd gotten away with something and kind of like, oh my God. 
I always, when I got home, felt ashamed. And I always felt like I would go to my meetings and I'd be like, and they would be like, you have to tell your partner, you need to blah, 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 you need to do this. And they kept telling me like, you you know, you need to do outpatient treatment until I finally just stopped going to meetings and stopped going to therapy because everybody was like, you're very sick. You're deeply back in your active addictions. You need to like go back to therapy. And I was like, no, thanks. Uh, I'm just going to do this for a while. We call it, we call it doing more research. I did that for a little bit. Uh, (laughs) So some of the not hot ones, there was the ex mad TV star who could not get an erection even with a Viagra. Yeah. Oh, Kind of mashing the soft thing. Oh yeah. Like, Oh goodness. Yeah, not Brian Callen, which I am proud of that. That's yeah. nice for me. That's the thing I can be. There, there was uh, uh, the real estate agent in San Diego I met off of Craigslist, who the second thing he told me was, I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan. Still, still did it. Still did it. Not happy about it. Wait, were you on Craigslist looking? I looked on Craigslist. Yeah. Like, not always. Not That was like not a, not a regular thing. I just was feeling particularly destructive at that point. That was actually like right before I tried to kill myself. Like I really was just like, yeah. well, what else could we do that's really crazy? Could we just get murdered? You know, yeah, like, I know that's what I keep thinking. Like, yeah, yeah. No, these are dangerous situations. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm treating them lightly, but yeah, there were plenty of times where I was, what I was doing was self-harming essentially, yeah. you yeah. know, guys, my dishwasher's done. So um, I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> there was the white guy in the Midwest whose entire body was covered in Japanese tattoos. Oh, <laughs> oh Emma, that's the bottom, right? Yeah, did he have like swords on his wall and stuff? He sure did, honey. He did. Yeah. Also, he gave me like, he was like, I'm really into BDSM. And he gave me the most like limp noodle spanking that was oh. like, and not to say like, I'm not saying that he didn't hit hard enough. It was just that like, there was a lack of intention there. You know, that was just kind of like, 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 you know? either go in or don't, yeah. but don't yeah, go halfway. It was, it was so soft and like <laughs> wobbly. And I was like, oh, I don't gosh. like that at all. No, it was so, so upsetting. Oh, I just yeah. dried up thinking yeah. about that. It was, it was terrible. <laughs> and then I have to, this one is the shameful one because I have to admit this to Lace because uh, there was a comedian that we were, and I'm going to tell you the name after the podcast, but I'm not going to tell you now. Uh, do you remember we were in Nashville? Oh, I know. Was, I know the story. Yeah, yeah. Him. Do yeah. I know him? You probably you might. I'll tell you later. Never, I, know, never, I know. Never made me come. Never made me come. And like, that's one of the funny things about this is like, sometimes I think, was I just cheating because I was so desperate for one single dude to make me come? You know what I mean? Like you're yeah, just like, maybe. Just like hitting the rail card, you know? That, that really is, that really is an experiment. That really is research right there. That's research. didn't work yeah. for you, you know? And you're just doing rail after rail and you're like, yeah. I don't know. It's not hitting like it should. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because, uh, you know, okay. And then I had, so I was doing it. This sounds like a lot. It was a lot, but this was over the course of a while. And like, like it would happen. And then I'd be like, oh Jesus. And I wouldn't do it again for four months. And then it would happen. And then I would be like, oh my gosh, I need to. But towards the end, it was just like, thump, 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 thump. it was just happening every time I was out on the road. How did you 
pull it like would would like when Doug would call, we'd be like, oh, we the, everybody got together after the show. Like, did did he suspect something, or how did you pull that off? He his so his side of it is that he just trusted me so absolutely that when I was like, oh, a bunch of us are grabbing dinner. I mean, yeah. honestly, a comedian lifestyle, like, it's it, pretty easy to yeah. cheat. Lots of why so many comedians cheat. Only the women get in trouble for it. Kevin Hart's new special is just two hours of him being like, I fuck around. I, women are hoes. It's not my fault, you know. So we're the only yeah. ones that get in trouble right. for it. But Yeah. No, uh, you're 100% right about that. But, like, yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty easy, you know. Yeah. Like, I had complete autonomy. And, um. And also, like, for the first time in my life, because basically I'd had a very controlling childhood, got married super young, had a very controlling husband, then jumped right into someone even more controlling. And so I would be on the road and kind of be like, freedom, you know, lose my shit. Yeah. And these addictions have a way of, like, escalating, obviously, because the fix doesn't give you the serotonin and dopamine that you need anymore. So towards the end, as I and also you feel I felt shitty. So I was combating, you know, it's like a snake eating its tail. I felt shitty, so I'd act out. So I felt shitty, so I'd act out. Mm-hmm. So I ended up uh, getting a lover in town here, which I had always been like, sure, I cheat on the road, but it's not like I do it in the city, as if that is any sort of a thing. And yeah. um, so, okay, how we got caught, okay, how I got caught, and I think that this is a fun part of the story, was I was done. After the abortion, I was like, I have to get my shit together. I need to get clean. So I had... The person I had been seeing uh, that I was having like an actual affair with, an actual like emotional long-term thing, Um, we, I was like, kept, we would see each other and I'd be like, we have to end this. I can't. And then he would kind of talk me back into like sticking around and I'd be like, ugh. And then finally one day I took him to the mall and I bought him a pair of shoes and I was like, this is it. <laughs> That's the nicest breakup I've yeah, ever had. That's the sweetest thing I've ever heard in my whole life. I was like, oh, we got to we gotta quit. And then he was like, well, I'm hungry. Take me out to eat. What? And I was like, okay. So I took him to Carl's Jr. Yeah, were you dating an eight-year-old? <laughs> yes, yeah, I was. you Skechers and a, and a double cheeseburger. Honey, oh. we're going to get you some finger fries, uh, some chicken fingers and some fries. And then you're not going to ever get to visit my vagina again okay uh right basically she is the mother of all boys so she knows how to satisfy i do shoes and shoes and fries Uh, shoes and fries fries. that'll make a boy happy me up were you so while we were sitting there at the carl's jr doug calls me and he's like where are you and i was like blah 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 i can't remember i lied i said i'm at da 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 and he was like oh really and i was like yeah and I was like, I'll see you when I get home. So then when I got home, he was like very upset. And I was like, I could tell something was going on. And I was like, what's what's up? And then I was kind of like, he was like, where were you? And I was like, oh, blah, 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 lies, lies, lies. And he was like, that's bullshit. I know you were at the Carl's Jr. And I was like, oh, no. And he was like, I... You got caught in a fucking Carl's Jr. Like you hooked up with a pilot, a rugby yeah. team, but you got caught at yeah. Carl's Jr. After buying a boy, some Idaho. After bu- buying a boy some goddamn shoes. After buying him shoes. Oh come so on! I, a Ritz Carlton. Like I, like, like you guys should have been on the kiss cam at, at some baseball game or something. Like you, not a fucking off-brand party. I know. God. You know what makes me even more mad? I didn't even order anything. You know, I just bought him lunch. <laughs> just bought him lunch. I didn't even get anything. I didn't even get a soda. You know, 
Oh my God. So, so he's like, I know you were at the Carl's Jr. I saw you. I drove by. I, he was like, I was wondering where you were at and blah, 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 blah. And cause I had said I was at the mall. I was going to the mall and running some errands. And he was like, you said you're going to Target. So I drove around Target looking for your car. And then I happened to see it at the Carl's Jr. I saw you and that guy sitting there together. And honest to God, I know for a fact I could have lied. And I could have probably been like, oh, yeah, sorry. We also went to Carl's Jr. Instead, I was just so fucking relieved I got caught. Like, honestly, right there in that moment, I was like, fucking finally. Because we we had mixed households. He had three kids. I had three kids. And I felt very stuck. And I had we had broken up a few times already. And I had been like, I just can't do this anymore. And he had been like, yeah, I don't want to do this either. We were fighting all the time. And I just, but then we would always come back to like his kid's mom had killed herself. And my kids had been through this horrible divorce. And we were just like, well, we have to stay together for the kid's sake. And I just felt like, oh, it's finally done. So he was like, how long has this been going on? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, it's, I told him, I was like, it's been happening on the road. I've been cheating on you. I'm a mess. I'm drinking. I've totally relapsed. He kicks me and the kids out of the house that night. He's like, get the fuck out. Later, the next the baby too. So we go, we're gone. We go to my mom's. I go to my parents' house. Uh, I tell them everything. I just break down crying. And they're kind of like, oh, honey, we didn't know you were having such a hard time, but it's fine. You can live here. Like, they're just totally so They're just the most Midwestern. They're so ever. sweet. Yeah. And they're just kind of, they've also, like, we've all kind of been a mess at some point. That's how your kids are. At some point, you're just kind of like, oh, okay. Well, we've got, we've got another bed for you. So. I love that. I also think that they disliked this man so much that they were fucking relieved that they were like, they were probably waiting for this to happen. And they were sitting around going, we cannot wait for Emma and the boys to come back to the house or come to the house because we're ready to. My stepdad cried, which like twice in my life cried. And he was like, oh, I just hate to see you hurting like this, Em. So sweet. So the next morning, Doug shows up and he's like, I'm sorry. I lost my shit. I want to work things out with you. Come back. Then the kids too. I, I fucked up. I, I knew you were a sex addict when we got together. I knew this could happen. I've been, you know, I knew this could happen at any time. It was fucked up that I kicked you out. And I'm like, of course, you know, I get it. You're heartbroken as you would be. Sex is one of the most personal. It's, you know, if somebody's like, I've been drinking this whole time, you're like, you dick, but like, I've been having sex. It's, it's a different addiction. It's really mm-hmm. painful. So, so I w- we went back. We came up with a plan of action that I was going to go to LA for outpatient treatment. Um, so I had some tour dates to finish up first, which is hilarious. Now I went and did uh, Madison and like a few other places, just like a wreck. Um, and then I went down to LA and I was doing treatment. And here's where it starts to get really interesting. No, I'm just sorry. Sorry. It was pretty interesting, but. <laughs> here's where it gets interesting. So um, I'm at treatment. It is, it is intense. It is 12 hours a day. You have to stay in a sober house. Like they search you. They go through your shit. They took my dry shampoo away. Um Really? I, I'm paired with these other women who are like also going to the same program. Um, like they took away my Allegra. I had to go in the morning and be like, want Allegra, please? And they would be like, is this for drugs? And I'd be like, no, it's for my allergies. Oh, yeah. um, and it was, you know, it was, and I was in with a lot of other addicts and stuff. Uh, so dry shampoo, I'm assuming, yeah. is uh, people huff that? 
Yeah. Apparently yeah, there's an alcohol aerosol. in it. Yeah. Is it, is so, uh, is this like outpatient strictly for alcohol or is alcohol it, is and like- sex, so sex addiction primarily, although it was a place that they like focus on your sex addiction, but they sort of treat you for everything holistically. Gotcha. Um, so, and I, and I was incredibly lucky to get to go to this place. They had like a spot open up and, um, my parents helped me pay for it. And I got a scholarship because they were like, my therapist called them and they're like, she, he was like, she's crazy. And they were like, bring her down. So, uh, they were very, you wonderful for that. your scholarship yeah. or were you just crazy as shit? <laughs> yeah, I was crazy as shit. That's how crazy. Um, crazy enough to get it. Let's just say I really like, earned it. I did. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I did a, I did a rugby team. And yeah. they're like, get in, get in. Come on. Come, Come on. on in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're at the top of the list. You're at the top of the list for this oh, that is A sex addiction. Okie dokie. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I get down there and it's really intense. We're doing all this, like, it is really deep therapy. Like they are doing deep stuff into your childhood and like, like, I mean, honestly, the most intense, best 12 days of my life. It was it was really, really healing, really amazing. But uh, one of the things is you're not allowed to talk to your partner while you're there. Like you can get kicked out, which is a big deal because my parents are like had loaned me money to help pay for this. So you can get kicked out. So um, the third day and I, and it's like it is so emotionally upsetting. I'm vomiting every morning and every night. Like before I go, I vomit. I go, get back to the sober house. I vomit. I'm crying eight hours a day. It is like the most in- emotionally intense work of my life. My ex, so Doug, uh, he starts, te- you're allowed to have your phone. You're just not allowed to talk to your partner or any act- acting out partners. And it's kind of honor system. But uh, Doug starts texting me and he's like, he's found out about the man I will call Craig that I've been having an affair with in town. And he is livid. So he's like, fuck you, you said that this was just stuff that happened on the road. It turns out that there was a guy, like one guy, and there was like an emotional connection there. He goes, he threatens to beat this guy up. Okay, keeping in mind, the Craig is a tall, strapping, 27-year-old. He's quite in shape. And the other man is not that. And they, he confronts him, this whole thing. So he, while, while I'm in treatment and I'm not allowed to talk to him, I'm getting these texts, these texts, these texts. So I show them to my counselors and I'm like, hey... I think I have to my, I have to handle this. Like I have to do something. And he, so we call him, me and the two counselors call him and we're like, Hey, uh, I'm like, he's like, I have to ask you point blank. Did you have sex with this person? I'm like, I mean, specifically, yes. I don't know why that's any different than any of these other people. I guess maybe the emotional connection. He was like, fuck you. You made me a cuckold. And then he kind of yelled at me a little bit more and then he hung up and then he called my parents and he took all of me and my kids shit and he threw it in bags out on the lawn everything all all of my kids shit all of my shit threw it out on the lawn which whatever that's his completely no but it's a completely different story if it's just your partner who does that to you but when there's children involved guess, that's what makes me so angry fucking yeah. earn that or deserve that in any way and this is yeah. their mom's transgressions and not their the fucking kids and if he was a somewhat you know father figure for those few years that y'all were together and they all lived in that same that is so fucked up that. that makes me so that infuriates angry. me 
So, and I'm in treatment knowing this is happening. I can't do anything. My parents. Where were the kids? Are they at your parents? They were at, they were at their dad's, luckily. Okay. I had told oh, okay. my, my, he didn't know what was going on. He's not a safe person to talk to at the time. He wasn't. We're a little better now. But I had just basically been like, I'm on a, I'm on a two week tour doing college shows. And he took the kids for a couple weeks during, this was all during the summer. So it was like in August. So, uh, he, so then, so he throws all of our shit out. He's sending me message after message that I cannot respond to. Like I'll get kicked out of treatment if I respond. Then, then later that day, Craig, he starts texting me and he's like, I'm, you're hiding from this. I'm the one having to deal with all the fallout. Like he's calling me, he's texting me. He showed up at my house. He's threatening violence, blah, 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 blah. And he tries to kill himself. And, oh my God. Yeah. And luckily a friend comes over, sits with him. He's okay. He's not dead in this story. Uh, but he like, he loses his shit. Also, you know, his dad was dying. He was going through, or his dad had died. He was going through a lot of shit too. That wasn't just, uh, my pussy related. So, um, <laughs> so he is, he is freaking out. I'm getting all of these texts. Meanwhile, I'm trying to do this insane work, you know, that's yeah. just like, and the counselor now, now I've had a few years and I'm like, at the time I didn't understand the counselors were like, none of that shit matters. I thought they were just mean at the time. I was like, I have to talk to my, I have to talk to the, my partner and my other boyfriend. I have to talk to them. I have to settle this. And they were like, like, no, matter. No, this is your problem. This is you. Yeah. They were like, you can't talk to anybody. You just need to work on yourself. This. And I was so, it was so heart wrenching. And, um, we did, we did all this like really intense cognitive behavioral stuff, EMDR. It was really crazy. And at the end of it, um, I had, I don't know, this like spiritual release, I guess I would call it the very last day they do this sort of last, um, it's called, uh, family constellation therapy. You do it a few times, but the last one is supposed to sort of release you from your childhood trauma. And it, the very, I, we did it. I walked into the bathroom, puked three times, peed blood, sneezed like 50 times. And then was like, this house is clean. And I swear to God, like felt like a different person ever since. Like, oh. is clean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love you so This much. house is pure. <laughs> I was like, that was it. That you have exercised the demons. I was just about to say, that's the lady from Poltergeist. Yeah, it is. <laughs> this house is clean. This, this house is clean. So, oh, and so I also, I forgot this is my favorite detail. And I feel like, Lace, you're going to appreciate this so much. Okay. So while I'm in treatment, this During is so August. crazy. I, I want to, I have to interrupt and say, this is all so fucking crazy because I've known you for so, well, I feel like so long, but like at least four years I've known you in comedy and we've been in so many towns doing comedy together and we've been so close and I know so many of these things, but not yeah. enough, like I know oh. half of what you're saying, but I don't know the other half, but I know enough and I know the people that you're talking about, but I, and I know the places, but I don't know all the details. Like I feel crazy <laughs> to all of this, but I don't, but I also, I'm like, yeah, that all sounds about right. It's like, in, yeah. This is insane. You keep adding layers to this. <laughs> oh, it was layers. It's it just was crazy because I know all these people that you're talking about and it's just like, yeah. Mind boggling. But at the end of the day, it's so wild too, because anybody listening and people who are listening and don't know you and can't see your face and they're like, oh, this fucking bitch. It just sounds like she's a cheater and she blah, 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 blah. And didn't care about anybody's feelings and da, 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 da. And that's not the case at all in any way whatsoever. And you are one of the most 
loving, thoughtful, caring people I've ever met. And you give a shit about your, you're such a good mother and you give a shit about everybody in your life and you give people gifts and you're a thank you card kind of girl. And you just like, you, you take care of people. And when people are in your home, you're like the absolute best hostess and you're an incredible comedian. You're so thoughtful. And like, I, I just, it, it, it's crazy because I know people listening will just be like, Oh, this, uh, I don't, I'm just telling you, I, I genuinely don't think they can. Okay. I mean, just I, hope, hearing, I hope nobody would. I don't, I don't even care. Like for yeah. a long time. I know you don't care. Because, because like, like I said, like this is the reality, you know, and like I, I lived it and it's done and I'm not ashamed of it. And people can be like, that. you should be, you should be, you should be ashamed of it. And I'm like, who does that serve? Who does that serve? My, are you worried about my current partner who is not worried about it himself? Like, why do you? Why and he you, knows all of these things. Yeah. Who who I've been like, listen, at any moment, I could have a dissociative episode and fuck a stranger. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And he's like, okie dokie. You know, <laughs> like... <laughs> That's- well, I love all the people in your life that okie dokie everything. These oh, yeah. Are- I, got, I got some good, very chill people in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know who you are. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Um, yeah. So I, I, I feel right. like one, I mean, like, that's true because you, you were around for a lot of it. And that's kind of the weirdest thing about this is that nobody knew how bad this was. Nobody had any idea. People knew pieces of it. Um, but like, no, my therapist, I just went in. So after the Carl's Jr. incident, I went and I was like, okay, so I actually, and I had been going weekly for six years. I just mm-hmm. went in and was like, oh, okay. So actually I haven't been sober and I tried to commit suicide and I'm not doing good. And he was like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, you should probably help me find an outpatient option. And he was like, oh my God. So like nobody knew. My family didn't know. My friends didn't know. People kind of knew snippets of it, but like nobody really. And that's how I was raised. Like there are a lot of secrets in my family. And, you know, and also with dissociative disorder, it's remarkably hard or easy to compartmentalize because like that stuff feels like it happened to someone else. It's before I was integrated. It did. It felt like I didn't feel an emotional connection. It's hard to feel bad about something that you're like, oh, okay. Like you have a memory of it that's like a postcard that someone sent mm-hmm. you that they told yeah. you about. So that now that I'm more integrated, a lot of those memories have become more my own. And some of them I'm like, oh, honey. And some of them I'm like, oh, well, pretty good. Pretty good. You know? <laughs> so. So one thing I feel like, Lacey, you will really appreciate, was I, which I forgot to mention, was while I was in treatment, I started getting dozens of text messages from male comedians who Doug was texting to ask right. if they had ever had sex with me. Oh, that's wow. messed up. That's he, insane. He messaged uh, not just comedians, but like bookers and people were texting me. And it's oh my God. the beautiful thing. job. Yeah. I can't the, believe you didn't message me. I mean, we I went know. up into the mountains yeah. together and went yeah. to some hot springs. So it's funny because his his first wife left him for a woman and he never messaged a single woman. And I was like, well, that's pretty presumptuous, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> he so he I got a message from like uh a, like a comedian's going like and it was funny because I think he thought, Oh, I'm burning her career down. Like I am like really harming her. But I think he doesn't understand male comedians because they were just like, Sounds like you're single. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like everybody was just like, yeah, do you want to send me your veils? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> that was exactly it. People were like, you did some gigs? And I got work yeah. out of it. Tons of work. Oh, I bet you fucking did. People were like, so you're hoeing. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was you want a residency? Or... Sounds and, like you are available. <laughs> and I, like, a few of them were just like, are you okay? This sounds like a super bad situation. Are you safe? Is he going to murder you? And I was like, oh. And everybody, I was kind of like, oh, I'm. And also, hilariously. Um, he, he messaged some friends of mine in LA who I was like, those are actually my 12 step friends. So they were just like, sounds like you're out doing your research. Love yeah. you. Hope you're okay. Like he was, you know, he was like, oh, I'm going to message this producer person and fuck her up. And they're like in the program with me. So, yeah. oh, sorry. We're all a bunch of, uh, train wrecks out here. So, um, that's it. That's the name of this podcast is cuckold's dream. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's basically the gist of the story so you so you so you left outpatient and like had that spiritual experience and then went back I guess did you go back to your parents house and like is that you broke it off with Doug yes so I went back so I flew back to Boise and um I had rented an apartment site unseen um close to Doug's house because we we were like the kids can go back and forth and still see each other I had rented an apartment and um and it was also so at my uh, the kid's dad was like, wait a minute, because Doug had talked to him and had told him that was what was up, basically. And they had had a nice little, you know, uh, yeah. group meeting about yeah. that. So um, and so he started threatening me and saying um, that he was going to take away the kids, which I know some people listening might be like, good. But the reality is, is that I had raised the kids alone for most of their life. And my right. Their dad. You're an incredible mother. I mean, I have well, I, to emphasize that again and again. Their incredible. dad had come back into the picture a year before all of this happened and um, was like, I'm ready to be a dad. I'd like custody, please. Cool. Thanks a lot. What, 13, 14 years into yeah. it? Right. Thanks a lot, dude. Uh, 15, 15 years. Uh, yeah, wow. exactly. So I was like, he all of a sudden was like, you're a mess. I'm going to take the kids, which the whole time he was a deadbeat dad. I was always like, anytime you want to see the kids, you know, anytime you want time with them, I never pushed him out of the picture. I was never shitty to him. Even when he was going through some pretty rough patches, I was always like, you're still their dad. You're always welcome in our life. He immediately used the situation to try to really fuck with me and started suing me and trying to like, it was amazing. There was an amazing moment where he tried to get custody of the kids by bringing in a folder to our mediator um, of my tweets and quotes from my comedy special. And the mediator was like, who are these for? I'm not yeah. a judge. Like I can't, I don't, we're just here to figure out like if you can have Thanksgiving, like it's yeah. not, it was also, so Also, did you have a folder of all his LARPing? Yeah. To- <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm probably we haven't even gotten into your ex. Yeah. LARPing. That's another podcast. That's a whole nother cake. It's a whole, whole other, other cake. Oh my God. A whole other cake. Not even a it's layer a in this tier. It's its own tier. It's its own <laughs> so that was really that was really difficult like I was like freshly sober you know on on my own again with the kids uh you know pretty broke you know I was like was pretty broke because I had to take a bunch of time off the road to get like mentally and emotionally healthy again and uh you know just kind of like and Doug was like uh when I came back was like I want to work it out he started he went to like the parent the the um they do like a co-addict therapy and outpatient therapy he went and we were going to work it out. And 
um, I was like, listen, I, for the first time, am capable of being present during sex because I used to just always dissociate, which is why you could wail on me and I wouldn't notice. Uh, so it's really important because like I haven't had, I basically am a virgin, you know, essentially. And it was like, if we get sexual with one another, we need to be really, really careful and um, very honest. And I, we would have to start over basically. And then like the next day I saw that he was on Tinder and I was like, hey, are you, do you want to do this? Or did you, and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, cause I, cause a friend of mine, people keep sending me screenshots of you on Tinder. And he was like, okay, fine. I'm on Tinder. And I was like, like I said, like, if you want to be on Tinder, that's fine. But we have to like, from a sobriety standpoint, I have to be in an honest relationship. I'm trying really hard to like dig myself out of all of this. And he, so that was it for me. I was kind of like, oh, no, you're no, not no. gonna, you're just He's and, not trying. Yeah. You're still mad and you can be mad as long as you want. You yep. can be mad forever. You know, you can hate me forever. He needs yeah. to do that yeah. without you. Yeah. So Which I actually didn't do because we ended up running, uh, we ended up like professionally intertwined for the next three years, but yeah. 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 But still like, I, I, I know. Yeah. Maybe some people will listen to this and be like, oh, she's just, a, you know, she didn't care about anybody. And I don't really, I like part of the most important thing I got from outpatient really and from being so sick this last year is like really just sort of like if you know where you're at if you know who you are you never have to explain yourself to anybody you don't give a shit like I wanted to tell this story partly because I think it's amazing and I think it's such a mess and it's so funny and I've always I've been trying to write about it for a long time and I've always been like I don't even know where like how to put it together it's just so crazy but like I think it's it's also it's a good listen, you know? Oh, it's awesome. And, and that email that, you know, the ex-girlfriend sent me is like, it's not, it's not art, you know, it's not art. You're just being a dick. And I'm like, that's what being a comedian is. Yeah. It's like, being a comedian is, I'm sorry, but you've got to take real life situations and spin them yeah. for the stage. And it's all about relatability. And you're not the only person who's gone through this. And you're not the only person who deals with this. No, so, my, yeah. all my meetings are was in a testament to that. I mean, I live in Boise, Idaho. We have three meetings a day here that you can go to. That's a lot of sex addicts in a town of 250,000 people. So it's yeah. not, people can act like, oh, it's just you who's sexually compulsive. compulsive. And I'm like, look around at our entire society. Like it's, it, it's a huge issue. And yeah. yeah, I've struggled with it. It wasn't. I, yeah. I'm so glad that you, you shared it because, and I've, I've wanted to like hear a lot more stories from the other side. You know, somebody that's like, yeah, I cheated because you, you you're a human being and like and hearing it from your side you can i i would not put a fault i would not blame you for a damn thing and it's it allows people to be like i get it and i could see like even the last person we talked to you know she caught her husband cheating and now they're going through couples therapy and and she was talking to us about some stuff that she learned in therapy and you could realize like it's not, it's like, you're not a, you're not a horrible person. You're not like, you didn't do it out of malicious anything. You, you did it out of just like craving something that you needed that you weren't getting. Yeah. And it just, yeah. Yeah. Not always black and white. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's somebody who's just being a shitty person and they're getting plenty where they are and they're super happy and they don't, they're not dealing with any addictions. And then they just, they're just like, fuck it. Uh, it this is available. So I'm just going to do it. And I don't care who I hurt there. That there's plenty of that cheating. And that's pretty much the basis of this podcast. But then 
every fifth story, I think, is something that's beyond just the simple, I just need more than what I'm getting. And I'm just being an asshole and a narcissist about it. But like this falls into that category of there's a different way. And there is another version of cheating that's not as cut and dry or as black and white as what most people picture when they picture somebody cheating. Yeah. And I think, I think for me, the, the difference in that is between like, could I, if I could go back and break up with him after the first year, I started to realize that this relationship was damaging me more emotionally and not helping me and breaking me down. Like, I wish I could have been strong enough and healthy enough to just be like, I need to be single for a while. Go away. You know? Yeah. I wish that that was true. That's, that wasn't your situation at the time. And no. you also had three kids involved. And that's very different than being a single person with another person. Yeah. He's got three kids. You've got three kids. The mother of the last three kids killed herself. I mean, Jesus Christ, you literally can't get more complicated than the situation that you were in. Yeah. Yeah. Really and uh, I think for him, it's weird. It's also, weird. you know, getting that email was funny because I think maybe she doesn't realize that he and I have had a lot of conversations, a lot, a lot of conversations. And when I talked to him finally about, I didn't get the dissociative identity disorder uh, diagnosis until I was in treatment, until I was in outpatient treatment. And they actually called my therapist and chewed him out because he was treating, treating me strictly for a uh, sex addiction. And he was doing EMDR with me in these like hour bursts. And they were like with a person, a person with Emma's level of like sexual abuse and trauma as a child. Cause I was essentially tortured as a child. Um, they were like, you can't do this an hour at a time. It's like doing surgery an hour at a time. And you're like, all right, hold on to your guts. Just keep your hands here all week. And then I would go back in and I was telling my therapist over and over, like, I'm losing my mind. Like I'm not okay. And then I got sexually assaulted at the same time, which obviously brought up like just a massive amount of trauma. And I always have felt the most heartbroken I feel for Doug is that not that I cheated on him and that his heart is broken for that. I feel heartbroken that he never was curious about like what actually happened for him. He, he wanted to be the wronged party so bad and he wanted to hold on to this, like in therapy, they, they just wonderful, uh, uh, thing where they have you there's you stay one person is standing one person is sitting and you do the vic it's called uh there's a triangle called rescuer victim and perpetrator and so one place in person plays the perpetrator one person plays the victim and one person comes and rescues the victim and then they ask you they have you role play these situations and they go which role do you feel the most comfortable in and I, for me, I, when I was in the chair, I was like, I love this. I love being the victim. I love it. It feels so good here. And I was like, yeah, it makes sense that I keep seeking out these men who are perpetrators, you know, and then cheating with somebody who's a rescuer, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like it made a lot of sense once I kind of saw it like that. But for him, I felt like now, and those, you change roles. So once you got cheated on, you move from perpetrator to the victim chair. And that's what I think has happened for him, not to speak for him and go totally on his side of the street, but I think he sort of sat down in that victim chair and he's just like, it's comfortable. He's staying there. And what I've been like, we could have, we could have developed, if not a relationship together, something really kind of beautiful and strong, a friendship. Uh, we could have like discovered something about both of us and dug really deep into this and like come out of this both together, like deeper and stronger. And I think he's always just been like, I was too hurt to do that. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's true. But I feel like, 
that's scary work for a lot of people because mm-hmm. you'd actually have to see your role in it. And it's easier to just be like, she was a cunt. <laughs> she yeah. cheated on me. She's a bad yeah. person. And then leave it to the black and white, like the mm-hmm. traditional, like, oh, they're just a piece of shit. They just cheated. And that's clearly not the case in yeah. this situation. Wow. Holy shit, Emma. I cannot literally, I, I you know how much I love you and <laughs> always have from the moment that I met you. But like, holy shit, I cannot thank you enough for letting us be the first people that you tell publicly this story. I mean, this is a massive gift, not just to our podcast, but to our listeners and anyone and to to us and to you to like get all this out and for us to hear this and to hear another side of a situation and hopefully somebody listening even just now or in the future they come across this episode and it helps them in some kind of way or understand something from their past or realize that they might be in the same situation that you're in or have been in um wow i mean what a gift what a gift yeah. you gave. well thank you guys for letting me tell it i i had been for a long time, nervous to talk about it. And I, but when I, I've been following your podcast, I love you guys. I think it's such oh, a fun premise. You. And because I, you don't see very many things that talk about cheating and that talk about infidelity. And I think, which is, is that American like, oh, it's unpleasant. Let's never discuss it. But right. it, like 50% of marriages are going to end oh, in infidelity. Well, human, so. It's so normal. And like, that's what we want to like talk. About. It's so normal. And you're exactly right. Like we, women and men get together in like small groups and they talk about it and they, either just like oh fuck that person but they don't know no one really delves in to what happened and Mm -hmm. that's the fascinating part to me and even more fascinating is what it helps you become later after you've dealt with some shit like this where are you now right and I guess yeah because it is because cheating like like you said like sex is so personal and I feel like on either end of it when you come out of it you're changed and you've learned a lot at least if you put in some work to figure it out. I feel like I feel now the the relationship I have now is, uh, I, I really realized that for me, honesty, everything always comes down to that for me. Like I really need the kind of honesty that you can have where when you really need to tell somebody something hard, they greet you with compassion and curiosity because if somebody cheated on you and they don't feel like they can tell you that's on you too. That's on you too. You are, you are in a relationship that hasn't, you haven't gotten to a place where like you can actually have a conversation and be scared and be intimate and take risks. And that is how, that's how intimacy grows is taking those risks and being really vulnerable and being like, and I also think like, uh, being okay, being alone is a big part of, cause you can be like, Hey, I did this thing and you might want to leave because of it. And you're totally welcome to, you know, like, that's my relationship now is so built on like freedom and a, a level of freedom I never had before where like if I was like I need I need to have sex with or I had sex with somebody because I wanted to I had sex with somebody because I didn't mean to you know either way is something I know I could go to him and say I have to talk to you about this thing and that feels like so liberating and it also has really like taken the genie out of the bottle I think for me a lot of the like sex the sexiness of cheating was that was the fear and the danger around it and that's like fear and danger is deeply wrapped up into my abusive childhood and like sex is always has to have fear and danger at it and when you take that away turns out sex is just pretty nice it's just really pleasant lovely (laughs) and pleasant human yeah it doesn't have to be yeah it's weird Yeah. yeah Oh, I'm so proud that you're like in this better space. And I'm so fucking happy 
that you're with your partner that you're with now. And I cannot wait to meet them. I am so excited. And I, I definitely bring my ass back out to Boise. I know. To go Go meet them. Dude, I'm coming. And like I need I need like I need a book from you. I need you to have your own damn show. Like, <laughs> you're fine. you're captivating. Just to listen. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It felt very good to tell. I was a little nervous. I think Alex was a little nervous. He was like, You're gonna talk about that? Okay, when's your next therapy appointment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right right? Yeah. That's it. You guys you two are so supportive and so loving. So I really appreciate both of you oh. too. No, we can't. We can't thank you enough. I mean, this was huge. I mean, I already loved you before, but you know, I mean, this is just this adds just another whole layer of respect and everything else. So oh. this is awesome. I really appreciate it. So, hey, how can our listeners find you? What's the best way for them to support you as an artist and find you and all that good stuff? Well, you can just wait to bump into me uh, at an airport and hope for the best. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, you can support my Patreon is Patreon com backslash Emma Arnold. If you search for it, it doesn't come up because it has dirty material on it. Um, it's a mix of pot. I, I was doing this project called the book of Holy fuck, which was, uh, like, a memoir cookbook, erotica, sex dream. I don't know. It was a lot of things. There's like a visual arts component. There's, and there's like auditory stuff. Um, but I finished that and now I've been mostly just putting up podcasts and live streams and, um, we do like a game night and stuff like that. So I've been doing it more for fun recently because it was pretty heavy before. Um, and then they can also, uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm on Twitter a lot and yeah, buy my albums. Um, that's about it, I guess. Yeah. And they can just look up Emma Arnold on Twitter and all that good stuff. Oh right? yeah. And on my YouTube too. I have a t- I do a ton of live streams and my specials on there so you can watch it on there too. Heck yeah. Y'all, y'all, everybody go follow Emma and give her I'm all your money. The first person. Yeah. <laughs> everything she does is gold. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we can't thank you enough for coming on cheaties and, um, all choosing us to share the story with yeah. for the first time Aww. publicly. I oh, love you. I, this is such a great podcast and I love you both so much. Thank you. Well, I, I miss you a shit ton and uh, I cannot wait to have a break in this bullshit COVID and us be back, uh, you know, doing comedy, real comedy again. And either me come out there, or you come out here or we run into each other in a random ass state, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm ready for all of the above. Me so. too. Me too. Uh, thank cool. you. We love, love you. Love you too. Tell Jerry I said hi. Love you. I will. Love you. Nice to meet you, Catherine. Love you. If you've enjoyed this episode of Cheaties, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you've cheated or been cheated on, you've got a cheating story and we want to hear it. So please leave us a teaser voicemail at 888-STABBY-8. That's 888-782-2298. And go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Cheaties Podcast. And you can follow me, Lace Larrabee, at Lace Larrabee. Follow me, Catherine Blanford, at KBiz9. That's K-B-I-Z-Z-9. Stay stabby. Go ahead. Go to your ready-made horse. That's all you're good for.